This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap UFC 262, Oliveira vs. Chandler, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome in Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we will preview UFC Fight Night 188, Font vs. Garbrandt. Here we go. Oh, Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. Before we start, I just want to say we are two things. The number one Mike Goldberg fan page and the best pickers, the best fight pickers on the internet in podcasting. No questions. Actually, you're the best, but on behalf of this podcast, uh, last week, before, before we get into our recap, last week nailed all your picks except one, and that was a straight-up robbery, so... I'm not going to be modest about it anymore. Just time to uh, say the facts here. Um, 2021, we've been by far the uh, the best pickers I know of. So a little shout-out to us, uh, more so on your behalf because you do all the picking. But um, other than last week where I picked against you a couple times, mostly on the same page. So anyhow, want to do a quick shout-out before we get into our into our episode here. But uh, we'll move on then to our take probably, of the weeks, uh, though. And probably just jinxed us. We'll probably no. probably do for a bad week, but we'll see. I, I I think I like these picks this week, so we'll but we'll see. Yeah, and I I I, I have thought about saying this like ten different times, but I didn't want to jinx it. But I'm not worried about jinxing it. Um, the system the system seems to be solid. So plus it doesn't matter. You could have like five bad weeks and still be out ahead of uh, some of the other experts. So it doesn't really matter. You built a nice cushion for us, so. Um, so there's a little detour before before we start, but we'll move on to our uh, our normal start of the week, our take of the week, MMA hot take of the week. So as always, we'll jump into that, and Ryan, you can take us away. All right, so kind of a take, kind of just uh, something I read uh, in an article, but um, may we may or may not have our first horny MMA fighter. So um, Caitlin Chikagian is our, our first suspected, possibly confirmed, horny MMA fighter. And um, apparently her Twitter has been liking hardcore, hardcore pornography on Twitter for the past few months. Um, in the, uh, I think it was the post-fight press conference possibly, or maybe pre-fight. Basically, at some point, a reporter asked her a question about it. And she claimed that someone hacked her Twitter months ago and she just noticed it this week and <laughs> logged back in and, and stopped liking the hardcore porn. So, I don't know. This seems very suspect to me. Like, she's, like, she even said she's, like, tweeting on Fight Night all the time. Her tweets get put up on the UFC screen and whatnot. So, like, yeah. her account's hacked this whole time. Then how she been active on Twitter? Months go by with liking all this hardcore porn. And, uh, and then she finally just notices it recently, right before she gets called out and, uh, in an interview, I don't know. It just seems very suspect to me. I think most likely we, we do have our confirmed, uh, first horny MMA fighter. Yeah. Um, I think, I think he's well overdue to find one, a horny MMA fighter. Um, there is something I have to bring to the table though. Some evidence I have to bring to the table. 
I got a DM that I never opened from her because I could tell that it was a, uh, I could tell that it was spam. Can you see that? Kind of. Not really, but I'll take your word for it. Well. Or is it some Caitlyn Kagan nudes? I don't know. You might want to open that. Well, I'm going to open it right now for all, for our own, for our viewing pleasure. Uh, uh, January 15th. I know it's sale, sale, sale. Let's go get your favorite pieces with some discount. So clearly, clearly she was hacked, but that does not explain the rest of it. Yeah, she had months. She said months. She said, she said a few months, like two months. Um, that's more than two months ago. So I think she's she was hacked. At, she might not be lying about being hacked at some point, but I think she's lying about the not liking the uh, pornography part. Yeah, um, I'm gonna see if the lowest likes are still on there too. Oh, they still, they still, they're still on there. Wow. <laughs> so she hasn't even gone. Uh, she hasn't even gone back and uh, unlike them. So Which she's gonna she ride it really out. Like them. She's gonna ride it out. She's gonna act like she just has no control. It's every single one too. Yeah, she's just gonna. She's just gonna uh, ride through it. I'm gonna tell you, her bio doesn't help either. UFC fighter. Okay, that's thing number one. White claw, white claw slut, salt life, psychedelic explorer, wannabe DIY guru. So I'm gonna say the uh, white claw slut and the psychedelic explorer probably probably don't help her case in this situation. But um, yeah, I don't know. She, I guess it's her Twitter. Once she goes goes full uh, white claw white claw slut, then she's she gets hacked by. Uh, by the uh, by, the white call slut, and then starts liking pornography is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. She's clearly leaning into it because she's had now like over a week to delete them all. So, and Are she's there just any not going to do it. On there? No, there's no new ones. Her husband was tweeting some st- some pretty funny stuff though from his account that on Instagram that she was reposting. So, um, they're kind of like going along with the joke, but that does not mean that she didn't do this. So. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, t- remain I when, dubious. Once you get once you get caught liking all that pornography on Twitter, then you gotta go along with it. It's the only, you know, yeah. you gotta kind of just uh, laugh it off and play it out. And she must just not have known what how the like button worked, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's not as bad as like some of the weird scandals, like uh, <laughs> like Hank from Breaking Bad who type accidentally tweeted sex gifts instead of typing it in the search bar. <laughs> Have. And then I mean, it was just like a typical like somebody who shouldn't have technology in their hands. There's been some <laughs> other ones too that are. <laughs> That's an old man move. Yeah, ex- exactly. So That's like I don't know. She's gonna write it out. Stuff to your Facebook feed that you meant for like a private message. <laughs> you were trying to yeah, yeah, you were trying to search it and you ended up accidentally typing it in. But these things happen. Um, the good thing is like no one's real. It's not really gonna like get her in trouble. If anything, it probably helps her case out. So. MMA is a weird wild it's like a weird wild west world where you can still get away with this kind of stuff it's not like a detriment to your career so I'm gonna say she's safe and I'm gonna say it might make obviously her cooler the judges judges are into it seeing those yeah cars, good you know? point holy shit good point there I think yeah I think you definitely might be onto something there so uh yeah it did not hurt her career in fact it maybe helped it so um yeah probably I guess uh, we'll leave off there and pick up when we get to her in her in the in the recap but yeah, she is a female horny MMA fighter, not fan of the of the week. 
Yeah, the judges are getting their uh, their porn selections from her. I think <laughs> just uh, they don't have to go search through their video for videos online like a normal person anymore. They just go to well, Kagan's page. Yeah, and let me just say it's a very specific type. So um, <laughs> if they're all into the same thing, <laughs> anyhow. I'll move on to my take of the week. That was a good one. That was a, a mixture of a take of the week and a horny MMA fan. You didn't have any more takes, did you? Nope, that's it this week. Okay, good, because I've been – I actually spilled the beans on this take because I, I thought of it. I told I spilled the beans on it to you a week ago, and I thought – when I thought of it, I was just randomly sitting in the shower. Now that I – I wish I didn't say that, but I, <laughs> um, I, I was just thinking to myself at one point in time, but I, well, I happened to be showering, but my take of the week – I don't think Cody Garbrandt is chinny. I don't. I think this has been overblown, and I think that I was sitting there thinking those shots he took from uh, who knocked him out, Pedro Munoz. Yep. And Dillashaw. Like, yeah, Dillashaw twice, which those were he was way he was out of control in those fights, and then Pedro Munoz knocked him out. But he took some absolute bombs from Pedro Munoz. He was just taking one to give one, and. Uh, like it, like you said last week when we were when we were talking about it right after we finished the episode, those shots would have knocked out anybody. And other than that, other than the two Dillashaw ones, which were a kick you didn't see coming, and I don't remember the second one. That fight was a real cluster mess. But other than those, he's never really showed. Has he ever really been wobbled or anything? He didn't get wobbled in his last fight. He took he took a few shots, nothing serious. But um, he's a guy where when I saw him get knocked out by Pedro Munoz and actually folded up, I thought to myself. He's like done. This his chin is gone, and uh, I think a lot of people think that he has no chin. So, um, feel like it's almost kind of a hot take here to say that he is not chinny. So that is my hot take, and um, we'll see. I guess we'll probably see this week for sure. So anyway, yeah, I think you. Uh, I think you might be onto something here. I mean, um, he, like you said, he's taken some some huge shots from Dillashaw and. Uh, and then the uh, Pedro Munoz fight, yeah, he got he got hit a few times hard before he got knocked out. And sometimes, you know, a lot of these guys, they just, uh, you know, take shots like that. Anyone's going to go out from them. So I think you might be onto something there. Um, we'll let it slide that you're you're thinking about uh, Cody Garbrandt's chin <laughs> in the shower. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll let that one. I think slide. about a lot of things in the shower. I think about a lot of things in the shower. I was just thinking about the upcoming fight card. It's not bad. I mean, this was like. A week before it even happened so yeah i was mainly uh, mainly male mma fighters oh. <laughs> alpha male mma fighters in particular <laughs> there you go anyhow yeah no well i guess we'll see this week will be the big decider so um we'll find out because i think uh i think he rob font will bring and at least land something on him but he looked good in his last fight so um yeah i mean Rob Font, he's not—he's not really known for his punching power. I mean, I guess he has—he has eight wins by knockout, four by submission, six by decisions. But I mean, he doesn't bring bring to mind like knockout power by any excuse me by yeah. any means for me. So, um, I mean, I think he should be safe on this one. I mean, if he gets put out by Rob Font, with uh, then maybe maybe we'll then my take is wrong. Take, but we'll see. <laughs> then maybe my hot take was a little too hot. Yeah, well, we'll see, but uh, we'll 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 finish this on the on the on the preview. Um, 
But we'll jump into our recap now. We'll start our recap with our main event from last week, UFC 262. Is that what it was? Yep. Yep. We'll start with our main event, Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. For a, what was it, probably six-minute fight? This was a super exciting six-minute fight. A lot of twists and turns in there. Um, I think you nailed the breakdown pretty good. Um, Our stance, bleach shirt fighters don't lose. Another one in a row. I don't know how many in a row. I'd like to add them all up. We're probably somewhere in the ballpark of 10 to 12 uh, bleach hair male fighters winning their fights in a row. So um, that also held true. But there was a there was a time where I thought Michael Chandler was about to be the UFC lightweight champ. Oh, extremely close. I mean, it was uh, it was very close to happening. There was I was like, please don't stop it. Please don't stop it. I mean. It was almost to the point where it could have been stopped, but, I mean, uh, Oliveira was able to hang in there. I mean, sometimes on, like, prelim fights and stuff, I've, I think they may stop that. It seems like in title fights, they they give them the benefit of the doubt and let them go a little bit longer, which is uh, always good to see, I think. And uh, I think that's why, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm always for um, these fights going a little bit longer. I mean, I don't want to see anyone get get maimed in there or anything, but, um, you know, a lot of times they can, uh, they can come back from it. And, and Charles Oliveira did, you know, prove that. Um, and then he was able to take full advantage in the second round. I mean, it seemed like Michael Chandler was going in there, you know, going in there to get the knockout or get knocked out. And, uh, unfortunately for him, he got knocked out in the end. He almost got the finish. Um, I thought on the replay even, and even watching it live, like, um, Oliveira didn't really get clipped to fall down. I don't know exactly what happened. It was kind of weird. And he ended up kind of like bent over and stuff, but he wasn't rocked. He didn't get knocked down at all. Yeah. It was that. But when he was down kind of trying to dodge and stuff on, on, on the ground almost, he got hit by a shot that that really did stun him. And uh, fortunately, he was able to scramble. Um, I think uh, Chandler, kind of a bonehead move, though, by engaging Oliveira on the ground and letting him recover there at the end of the round. I think he had, he had more than enough time. If it's about to, you know, if the round's about to end, but I think he had about at least a minute or more left. It was um, more than maybe, a minute. Yeah. Maybe closer to two minutes. Um, and he wasted that basically by engaging him on the ground and not making him stand up. If he makes him stand up there and brings it back to him, I think, you know, he probably, I can't say for sure, but he has a lot better chance of getting the finish there in that first round than he does um, trying to finish it with ground and pound, especially Oliveira. You know, he has a good guard. Um, He was able to kind of stop the bleeding there and uh, get back into the fight, you know, and then finished it relatively quickly after that once the second round started. So 20 seconds in there to the second round. Yeah, I hated that he did that. Um, I know he's fighting his game plan. He was fighting his style fight, but – I hated that that looping left hook was money all night. He should have. I wish he would have stood him back up. But to your point where you said Olvera was never really rocked, I saw the same thing when I and when I rewatched it, he actually like he was in it completely when he was laying on the ground with his arms out. He was trying to move. He was moving his head kind of, just trying not to get clipped. It, it almost looked like he was completely out, or you know, how they, those guys sometimes when they get knocked out and their arms go out in front of them. Um, yeah, kind of like Dan Hooker did. He was actually. I think he was actually intelligently defending himself but yeah i mean uh credit to chandler though for not getting submitted in that first like minute or two when he got uh when Olivera got his back and got the body triangle locked in so um 
it was just a wild fight for a six minute fight that thing was uh i mean it was non-stop action and uh it was a good title fight a good way to move on from the lightweight division kind of uh make people forget about khabib a little bit maybe yeah definitely i mean it was a, it was a really good fight. The only thing that would have made it better if it was like a four or five round war, and we gotta we gotta see that for even longer. But um, you can't complain just because it was it was an action packed six minutes. That's for sure. Yeah, nonstop. I think all Chandler's fights will be like that. The one knock on him is it, I don't think he's chinny, but I think when he does get clipped, he goes out. He's he. It's like when he gets tagged, he gets put away. But I don't think he's necessarily chinny or easy to clip. But when he does, it's like, I don't know. It just seems like that's kind of been his kryptonite in his career is uh, almost like being a little too reckless. And then they, it may, yeah. they make you pay. But And in his younger days in Bellator, there he had some some absolute wars where he was able to recover. But it does seem like he does get clipped. And, uh, you know, the older you get, uh, the harder it is to f- recover real quickly in the round, in the moment. So... I think, um, yeah, almost you need to change up your game plan a little bit as you age and because uh, you're not going to be able to recover from those uh, knockdowns quite as easily. Yeah, and I just – I'm not an expert. I'm not a coach. I'm not anything. But when you got a guy hurt, just make him stand up. The last thing they want to do is be standing in front of you, you know what I'm saying, especially if they're a ground guy. So that to me is just seem it seemed like a crazy move to – I mean, he's if, like, when a guy's hurt like that, they're not going to hurt you back. You know what I'm saying? They're not really a threat to you. So you really want to be able to tee off on them, not jump into their guard, not kind of play ground games with them. So um, that was that that seemed to me like a bit of a mistake. But again, yeah, he it's was just one of those what, things. We five seconds away from a yeah, championship. Five ten. I mean, it's one of those things we see so many fighters do the exact same thing, though. It's not just Chandler. It's just in the moment. Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of guys get finishes from jumping on the hurt fighter and finish them in ground and pump. But you got to know your opponent. You got to know Oliveira has a good guard. He's probably going to be able to recover in that situation. And, you know, the way to end the fight quicker is to stand him up. But, I mean, it's just your instinct to go follow him down to the ground and, and try to finish it with ground and pound. But... I think that's where you got to, I don't know, I didn't hear his corner, what his corner was saying, but that's one of the times you got to kind of take a deep breath, take a step back and listen to what your corner is saying. Cause I'm sure they're, you know, it, I don't know for sure if what they were saying, but if they're, I would assume they probably wanted him to stand it up. So. Yeah. One last thing about that. When he got out of that body triangle and he stood up, he started getting like getting inching closer and closer to getting back engaged on the ground. Cause Oliveira stayed on the ground. I was just like, dude, back up. Let him stand up. I mean, depending on who you wanted to win that fight, I was like, man, you you can't play games with a guy. He almost just had you submitted. Chandler's never been submitted, which is pretty impressive. But um, still, like, you're having so much success standing up. So I think that it was his fight. He, I'm not going to say he blew it. He's not going to say he botched it. But um, I think probably a lot of people would uh, probably like his odds better if he would have kept it standing or stu- had it stand back up. So... Either way, great win for Oliveira. Pretty cool celebration running out into the running out into the stands. We haven't seen anything like that in a long time, so that was fun. And uh, wild, uh, wild career for him for a guy that was like almost like a known quitter and kind of like a middling guy. Now he's on a run, and uh, now I mean, I kind of questioned his run. I said he only had two real legitimate wins on a, on that nine, eight nine fight winning streak, and now I don't think there's any question that he is uh he's legit so 
Um, bit of win for him, and we'll see who he gets next out of, uh, I guess it'd be Poirier-McGregor. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely probably going to be Poirier-McGregor. And then there's, uh, I mean, there's quite a few people in the lightweight division that are, are coming up that we could see, you know, vying for a title here soon. So, And we'll talk about one of them next, Benil Dariush. I think he's on a seven-fight win streak. Um, one of the longest, if not the longest, in the, in the lightweight division, so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's jump into that now. Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush, co-main event. I got to say, I mean, I don't know if Tony's washed up or they just haven't been doing him any favors in the matchmaking. I don't think he looks like the same guy out there at all, but that's just me. I think when your fighting style just relies on being a weirdo, being uh, unorthodox, relying on athleticism, relying on weird movements, you start getting older, you start getting hit more, you start getting a little slower. That's that's a fighting style that just doesn't carry the longevity. And uh, but Neil Dariush was just better at the same everywhere Tony was. Um, but yeah, like you said, was was Dariush's last loss out when he got flatlined by Hernandez? Yep. Yep. That was wild. That was a wild yeah. fight. That was Hernandez on super short notice coming in, faking the glove touch right off the bat and kick, throwing a front kick instead. And then they circled and then he just flatlined him. And I thought to myself, wow, this kid's going to be good. And now he sucks. And uh, Dariush is on his way uh, back to the top. So I don't think I'm going on a limb here, but I think that's probably going to be the highlight of uh, Hernandez's career. Uh, I don't know if he'll (laughs) he'll reach that that peak again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tony Ferguson, what can we say? I mean, you know, it kind of sucks for him. He, uh, you know, he should have had that title shot so many times. He got the interim title, but it's not really the same. I mean, what what kind of baffles me and amazes me is how did it take anyone this long to figure out that you could just take Tony Ferguson down and hold him there and win the fight like very easily by that? Like, how long is he, was he competing in the UFC with that giant glaring hole in his game? Was it just that, um, you know, he, he does have a feared guard and so many people thought he was such a threat from the bottom, which is why people thought he was such a good matchup for Khabib. But yeah. was it just that people, you know, he had uh, overhyped, like, you know, basically they had put him into this mythical guard so nobody wanted to risk taking him down because they thought they'd get submitted or what? Because now that we've seen, what, three people do it back to back to back, it's just like, it seem, almost seems like anyone can do it. I mean, don't get me wrong, the guys that have done it are, are elite grapplers and, uh, you know, Tony Ferguson, not submitting Benil Darius. She's one of the better, better grapplers in MMA as far as MMA grappling goes. Um, and I think he, uh, you know, has won some jujitsu accolades and whatnot. And, you know, Charles Oliveira as well. Very good. Um, and then, uh, Gaethje, that is a completely different story, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just seeing him being able to get, get taken down and, and dominated that route. And, uh, I think it has a little bit to do with age slowing down. And, uh, but I think it just has a, a lot to do also with just some glaring holes in his game that he's, uh, He's never fixed just because he never needed to, and uh, and that's gonna catch up with you the older you get. When you can't, you know, when you just get a step slower, you just uh, your game just fades just a little bit. Then uh, you got to start relying on the basics, which uh, he doesn't completely have. So, no, not at all. Yeah, the the fundamentals are not a specialty in one bit, and the thing with him is, yeah, he relied on all he 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 got hit a lot in his career. He got tagged a lot. He re- relied on recovery. He relied on weird stuff. Um, yeah, uh, he was also he's also a victim of the old. He's in the best shape of his life thing or whatever. He's in, he got a new camp, whatever. 
Um, so whenever you hear that, it's usually a bad sign. Uh, I think bottom line for Tony is the Gaethje fight's the worst thing that ever happened to him because he could have waited, what, six months, five months? Not even. Khabib fought Gaethje a couple months later. He could have he could have held out and got the Khabib fight. Khabib would have beat him up. We would have got our answer. But it would have been like, oh, well, you lost to Khabib. It wouldn't have been uh, like now here we are. He's lost three in a row. And I don't think he's won a round since. Yeah, no, you're right. And it, yeah, it's kind of sad to see, but then also like just, uh, he just seems like, you know, he's uh, never seemed like he's all there, but, um, it just seems, you know, he worked with Freddie Roach for about a few months or something and thinks like his standup's going to be completely reinvented. Like it's, (laughs) you know, I mean, Freddie Roach, don't get me wrong. He's, he's one of the better standup guys in the game, but you just, uh, it takes a long time to, uh, make significant changes so i don't know um you know best tony ferguson anyways i hope he can figure out a way to turn this around but uh it's definitely not looking like that's going to be the case at least anytime soon and you know he doesn't have much time left so no i i 100 agree with there so otherwise uh darius though he looks good i don't know if he'll ever get like uh maybe not I don't know. He's still kind of the odd man out in a title picture, but he's definitely quietly grinded his way up to the very top. So he'll definitely get a good matchup next time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we want to take it to the next fight. I think we got Caitlin Chikagian versus uh, Viviana Rougeau, yep. our one, our one <laughs> wayward pick here. But, um, you know, I saw the media members scored this. Um, 10 of them scored it for Rougeau. Seven of them scored it for Chikagian. So it was a really close really? fight. Um, I thought, I thought of Vivian Rougeau, I thought she won rounds one and two, clearly Caitlin Chikagian, I thought thought she won one round three. Um, but, uh, people were saying that, yeah, I think Rougeau definitely won that second round. She got that takedown, um, and had control for at least a minute or two. And also other than that, it was relatively close, but I thought she got the better in the standup too. So I thought clear, clear round two for Rougeau. I thought, Round one, I, I thought, thought was pretty so. clear for it too. So, I mean, I mean, it was closer. Chikagian landed more volume, but Arusha just landing, she was throwing a lot. Maybe wasn't landing all of it, but was when she was landing, she was landing with more damaging strikes, I think, than Chikagian. So, I think you got to give Arusha round, round uh, one as well. Um, one judge apparently scored at 30-27 for Chikagian, which uh, is wild. <laughs> I mean, I don't see how you could possibly... Unbelievable possibly score that 30 27 and then there, there was another one another fight uh we'll talk about here at the end that same thing but uh yeah i mean it, it was a good fight overall it wasn't great aruja she's just really got to work on her cardio man i mean i i've never yeah. seen anyone who's got a solid a solid what maybe eight nine minutes in them and then literally every fight there's nothing like there's no difference exact exact like nine minute mark where she just cannot throw a punch anymore she goes from just being able to wing bombs to literally not be able to move her arms after nine minutes i mean she's really got to work on that cardio um and uh if she can work on that cardio i mean i think you know sky's the limit for if she can if she can get a full 15 round gas tank but can you imagine her fighting in a a five round title fight i mean by the fifth (laughs) round if she if it was still going she'd she'd be she'd fall over she'd kimbo slice and down a 5,000 in there she'd just be done i think so (laughs) yeah no uh so so this is the only pick you got wrong and it was probably your most accurate 
breakdown because you said that was exactly what we said. She's going to last 10 minutes. She's going to look good for 10 minutes or nine minutes, eight minutes, and then she's going to gas. And then it's going to be a sweat. Does she do enough to get both of the first two rounds? Because she's not going to win round three. And that's exactly what happened. I thought she did plenty. Um, I, I don't. I, I saw that a judge gave round two to uh, Jukagan when she literally got – I mean, Arujo finished it in full mount. So I don't know how that happens. But, yeah, so that was our your only loss of the night. But that was a uh, – I, I don't know. I, I struggled to even call it a close fight. It just comes down to who you gave round one to. And uh, I thought Arujo won it pretty easily. But that's just me. Um, again, I don't know. Like you said, maybe the judges are, are fans of Caitlin Chukagian now because of uh, her choice in uh, graphic material, but I'm not sure what happened there. But there was some crazy judging all night, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, next one, though, no judges needed. Shane Burgos, Edson Barboza, another one you pretty much nailed. Um, weird knockout, though, crazy knockout. You don't see this very often. Edson Barboza looked probably as good as he's ever looked, super sharp. Uh, I don't. I said it last week. I say it all the time. I don't know how Edson Barboza ever loses a fight with all the tools he has at his disposal and how fast he is and how powerful he is. Also, probably the most shredded guy in the UFC. But he had everything working for him that last uh, on this fight. And uh, Shane Burgos just takes way too much damage to let a guy like Edson Barboza be wailing on him like that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, Barboza, he is a. He's something to deal with. And then at featherweight, too, I mean, he's fighting at 145. He looks just as big as he did at 155. He looks like he's making weight yeah. relatively easily. Um, he just looks to be like he's going to be a really a real big problem. I can see, you know, him possibly uh, fighting for a title here relatively soon. Maybe uh, one more fight, and then he's in that picture. I think, you know, you got Volkanovski versus Ortega happening. Um and I think maybe we see uh, Barbosa versus Holloway if Holloway wants to take another fight. If he doesn't, Holloway probably gets the you know next uh, next crack at the title. But then I think you got uh, yeah. you got Edson Barbosa in line right after that. I mean, other than that, you got Yair Rodriguez at three, uh, Korean Zombie at four, Kelvin Cater at five, Josh Emmett at six, and Arnold Allen at seven, Dan Ige at eight. Um, so I mean, I. I could see him jumping right to the top of that and, and getting the next shot after Holloway if he doesn't fight Holloway in a title eliminator. Um, and I think 145 was a great move for him, by the way, because because if we look at, you know, Edson Barbosa, you see, you said you can't really ever picture him losing. You know, you don't know how he loses. Well, he loses to dominant wrestlers, basically. And there's not really that dominant That's wrestler true. right now in the 145 division, at least in the top 10. Um so I think, you know, in a stand-up fight, there's not many guys that can beat him. Um, so I think we could be seeing uh, Edson Barbosa, you know, competing for a title at 145 here relatively soon and, you know, possibly That'd winning crazy. it. Um, I think Volkanovski is probably his toughest matchup just because he can wrestle a little bit. He can get the takedowns. Maybe he could implement that game plan that we've seen Barbosa struggle with. But other than that, I don't see anyone getting in his way too much or at least not being a, a fight that he could win, you know, that he's, you know, in the running for anything can happen in these fights. I'm not saying he's unbeatable at 145 or anything, but uh, I think he definitely has a good shot. And I think it's going to, you know, play out to be a really good move for, uh, for Barbosa moving down to, uh, to 145, but more on this fight. I mean, yeah, just an amazing fight, man. His hands are, I'm, I'm a really big fan of hand speed. You know, when I, when you see somebody that can just throw a yeah. combo in like a second flat, they have three punches landing on you. I mean, that just, 
that kind of amazed me. I'm a huge fan of that. And uh, I think if Barbosa would just, he kind of stops at like a three-punch combo max. I, I would like to see him start putting together some five, six, seven-punch combos like Max Holloway does. And if he could do, if he starts doing that, I don't see anyone that could that could stop him once he starts uh, landing all landing those punches, you know. So, but uh, he you can know, mix in kicks with them too. Yeah, he his kicks are so fast. In that low kick. Yeah, into the combos, and yeah, it, it's unreal. He's a uh, he's a great fighter to watch. He's always exciting. He could, you know, he gets those kicks up there so quickly, the head kicks that, uh, you know, some guys can't see, don't even see him coming. He has that spin kick he throws to the body. Um, every fighter he fights is just their body's just completely, you know, red or bruised after. <laughs> yeah. uh, after a few of those kicks, and uh, yeah, he just chops up the leg. I can't believe Burgos wasn't uh, didn't have to get his leg amputated after that. Somehow he was taking those <laughs> things and wasn't wasn't limping at all. You know, it was kind of amazing, and uh, and that knockout was unreal. Like I said, I, I've never seen anything like that. Just the delayed reaction. He gets hit. He looks like he's completely fine, and then all of a sudden his uh, his brain catches up to his body, and he just uh, he goes down. So yeah, that was uh, that was an awesome fight. Uh, one fight of the night, rightfully deserved, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, great fight. Yeah, definitely deserved fight of the night. Yeah, his brain, Shane Burgos' brain, just said, "Okay, this is enough," and it uh, it turned itself off. So good for him. Probably good, better for him too. Because that guy just takes way too much damage. He took a very similar beating against Josh Emmett, which should have kind of been the writing on the wall. And I, I think that was kind of what you were saying last week when you picked Barboza. But um, guy just takes way too much damage. It's it's a tough, uh, it's a tough, tough way to win fights if you're going to try to just take more damage than the other guy. But great win for Barboza. We'll see what happens. Um, definitely on the on the upswing. That'd be something if he was able to get himself up to a title shot after all the years he's been fighting. But next one we had uh, Andrea Lee versus Antonina Shevchenko. Uh, this was an underdog pick you had. Uh, got nailed it. I don't think she was a huge underdog. It was fairly close. But yeah, she ended I think up winning. Plus one hundred five, plus one ten, or something. Yeah, not a but. huge underdog, but a lot of people going uh, going with the uh, the hotter name Shevchenko there, but clearly not the uh, not the better of the Shevchenkos. Yeah, she gets a, a little bump, I think, just for having the last name, but I'm she's sure. just clearly not the fighter that that her sister is, you know. Um, and, uh, Andrea Lee, I was really confident in this pick. It was one of my, one of my more favorite picks on the card just because, uh, she's, she's tough. She's strong too. And Antonia Shevchenko, uh, one of her biggest, uh, issues I've seen is that she lacks physicality where Valentina, she's, she's tough as nails and Antonia, she's, she just has problems when someone can, uh, can kind of impose their will on her and kind of just, uh, is the stronger, bigger fighter in there. And Andrea Lee was that. And, uh, yeah, Andrea Lee got it done. She looked good in there. And, uh, man, she was in, She had uh, Antonia Shevchenko in that triangle forever, it seemed like. I can't believe yeah. she ended up finishing Three it. I think there's only, like, eight seconds left in the round when uh, when she got the finish. But, uh, yeah, good thing she she changed it up there, when went for the armbar at the last minute. Uh, Rogan and them kept saying, like, she's about to, you know, the armbar's there. The armbar's there. And finally, she goes to it, and uh, and she gets it. But uh, her triangle, you know, she said she knows what she's doing in there. But there was, you know, she's not pulling down on the head. She's not. There were some things that she wasn't doing correctly. But I guess you know, in the fight, it's easier easier for me to say. I don't even know how to 
actually do a triangle, but I've seen it <laughs> seen it enough times that uh, I know you got to pull down on the head. You got to, you know, put it against that arm that you got through there and uh, and put them yeah. out that way. And she just she wasn't doing that, but she switched over the arm bar. She got the finish, and it was uh, it was a good win for Andrea Lee. A little comeback after uh, losing to our girl Roxanne uh, not too long yeah. ago, and uh, yeah, Roxanne and makes it's it happen. Another thi- yeah, and. Andrew Lee, the big thing when she loses, she gets uh, pressured up against the cage. She gets clenched, and that's how she loses. And, you know, we, I just could not see Shevchenko doing that to her. So, Yeah, well, great pick. Underdog pick, always a uh, always a good one. Edson Barboza was an underdog, too, I think. So there were a couple underdogs in this card. Um, Jacare, was he an underdog? We didn't pick him. We just had him on a uh, – you just had him on your fighters to watch versus Andre Muniz. Um, Jacare probably – might be yeah done. I actually i actually took muniz remember but it wasn't oh, like yeah, a right. hard hard pick i just kind of threw it out there at the end so it wasn't like uh official but um yeah, Jack yeah Ray's muniz been, been sl- minus 103 so jacare minus 117 yeah and jacare is just not the same guy i don't think uh well definitely not he basically got submitted and broken at the same time so um that was disgusting i heard the pop yeah that snap I that was say. dirty man and i i don't think it was a snap i think it was a dislocated shoulder wasn't it or was no, it yeah, was it a broken it's a arm? broken what's the bone up here your radius your ulna and your whatever he got the he got the upper arm tibia, tibia. that's in your leg i think oh wow yeah it was uh it was pretty wild i mean and you know, you don't see it coming, Jocker. He's the, he's the big grappler, but uh, Muniz is able to uh, submit him and uh, look good doing it. I think, uh, you know, basically, I, I love seeing that. Not not that I love seeing Jocker lose. I love Jocker as a fighter, but, um, you know, I thought Rogan and DC were almost making fun of Muniz when they said, when he was saying they were. Uh, they were talking about him, that he said he was the better grappler and he believes he could submit him and, and whatnot. And they were like, like, yeah, right, buddy, like, basically just giving him shit on the broadcast and then uh he goes and breaks Jacare's arm uh so yeah that was kind of I thought that was cool to see um just uh yep. him kind of shut them up and uh and actually move. back it up yeah it was a gangster move to go out there and say you're going to submit a guy who's as highly touted as a jiu-jitsu guy and then actually go out and snap his arm pretty hardcore kind of reminded me of uh when uh Anthony Hernandez submitted Adolfo Rivera and they were the uh the i don't remember who the panel or who the desk or who the commentators were for that fight but they're like it's just a matter of time before revere get revere gets a hold of him and puts him away and then he actually got submitted by him so yeah i I love seeing that we've seen that twice now and uh i don't know it's just it's just crazy it it gives you that big underdog feeling like beat them at their own game yeah, so wasn't too much besides the uh, the snapping of an arm in this fight to go over. So I think we can move on to the next one. Unless you got anything else on that one, or no, 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 it wasn't too much to say. Uh, Lando Venata, Mike Grundy here. Uh, Lando Venata looked the best I've ever seen him look. I'm not like a huge Lando Venata guy, but um, this is like he did he go down in weight class? Yep. Yeah, this is another guy that looks like he's benefiting greatly from moving down to uh, 145. Um, I I. I remember him having cardio issues at 155 somewhat. Like, he always had an amazing first round in him. Yeah. And if you could get past the first round, he always started to slow down. He throws all those spinning attacks, uh, all those spinning kicks. He just uh, was a guy. Sometimes you see those guys that throw all that uh, 
flashy stuff. They, they tire out quickly. And that was MO at 155. Um, and he moves down to 145 and he's got a, he's got three round cardio, possibly five round cardio. It looks like he could have kept going in there. And, uh, against, uh, it was against a guy who wasn't, uh, giving him any breaks either. Mike Grundy was constantly on the attack, constantly looking for takedowns. Yeah. And he was able to stuff every single takedown, which I don't remember him ever having very good. Uh, I don't really remember him fighting many wrestlers, but I, I don't think his uh, takedown defense is as good as it was uh, on Saturday night. His takedown defense is unbelievable against uh, Mike Grundy, who I think might be the best wrestler in England or wherever he's from. I know there's not a ton of wrestlers from there, but um, yeah, Lando Venata, man, he looked great. This is another one we talked about the judging that uh, oh the judges God. got this one all wrong, but uh Mike Grundy, they gave one of the judges gave Mike Grundy this fight 30 to 27. To say that he won all three rounds is absolutely insane. Um, I don't know how you could possibly do that unless you got the only reason way I could see you scoring this fight 37 30 27 for Mike Grundy is if you thought Mike Grundy was Lando Venata and Lando Venata was Mike Grundy. Maybe <laughs> they mixed up the fighters, but um, they had to yeah, have, yeah, that's the only logical way I could see that happening, but uh. I thought this is kind of interesting. Uh, I was listening to Anakin Florian's podcast the other day, yesterday, I think, and um, their uh, producer, he was at the fights, and he thought Mike Grundy won that fight when he watched it live. He said he was drinking and stuff. He was a little drunk, but he thought he said in at the when he watched it live, and he had like ringside, you know, Anakin got him the seats or whatever. So I think he had good seats and whatnot. He thought Mike Grundy won that fight. He said then, you know, because the controversy, once he got home, he rewatched it. And when he rewatched it, uh, he thought Lana Venata obviously clearly won the fight. But uh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe, you know, they're just seeing something a little different, judges. But, uh, I mean, even then he said he didn't think it was 30. He thought it was 29-28, not 30-27. But, I mean, Mike Grundy, he, what are you giving him? Uh, I feel like the only way to score those rounds from him is if you're just giving him points for attempting takedowns. I mean, he trying, wasn't even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for trying. The two takedowns that he did get, Venata was back to his feet in seconds. So I I don't know. And other than that, he's I granted he landed a few good punches that none of them seemed to stun Lana Venata really, but he did he did hit him pretty good a few times. But it wasn't enough volume to give him the round. You know, it, he just landed a few good punches each round, and Lana Venata was you know landing just as many and uh, way more volume. So I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of controversy there, but. Um, Overall, I just want to like give Lana Venata a shout out on that fight because uh, he looked unreal. I thought, uh, I yeah, thought by far the best he's ever looked. He looked that I've way seen him. like a completely different fighter than I remember him being. Yeah, I would say I agree a hundred percent on that. Was not, yeah, I was, I was not too high on him because, like you said, he's a guy that falls apart after he has a great round one. But he looked really good here. Uh, any other fights or fighters you wanted to shout out or anything? Um, overall, I thought it was a good card. Love the fans yeah. being back. Uh, a couple fighters I want to shout out are the fighters that were in the stands fighting each other. Um, not sure what happened there, but there was a pretty good yeah. brawl in the stands. <laughs> I don't know. Did they, they mentioned something about it, like Rogan or somebody said something or Anik or. Yeah, they mentioned it. There was a huge pop in the crowd. I, I kind of was wondering if Venata and, and Grundy thought it was for them, but like the whole crowd was going nuts. It was, I think the loudest they were all night was when the, uh, the fight in the stands was happening. So. Um, yeah, they mentioned on the broadcast. I I saw the video. Didn't you send us the video? Did you watch yeah, it? Yeah, I got it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, they went at it. So 
Yeah, I don't know. That was uh, that was pretty wild though. So shout out, yeah, definitely a shout out to them. Yeah, crowds don't know how to behave. I, I think every live sporting event since COVID ended, or since some of these places opened back up, has had a brawl in the stands. So people have totally forgot how to behave themselves. So let's uh, let's try not to let that be us in a couple of weeks. So otherwise, otherwise, I don't really care. <laughs> right. So. Anyhow, UFC 262 in the books, uh, new new lightweight champ, good event, full crowd. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a good time. So uh, that'll wrap that up, and we'll move on to our segments. And I think this week, uh, I believe it's my turn to go first for the Isney Awesome and our weekly call-out, so uh, I'll start things off with that. My Isney Awesome this week is uh, Jacare no-selling the snapped arm. Um, he got his arm actually bone actually snapped and he didn't even react they they stopped the fight because they heard the break and i think muniz let go and then he was smiling acting like nothing happened uh i don't know how you get used to getting your arm snapped i mean he was he was like in good spirits um, two seconds after it happened um i thought that was in a crazy like just a crazy move like one of those like these guys are just totally different animals they're just insane people um, to get your arm snapped, and they just absolutely have no reaction at all. Um, like you said, we didn't even really know what happened because he was so like nonchalant about getting his arm snapped off. So that was, uh, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and maybe it was, maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but I think, and I think it might have been a grappling tournament. Maybe it's, I know Rogan's talked about it on his podcast and stuff before on JRE, but for some reason, I think it may be Jacare, and uh, I think he's got his arm snapped before, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and he tucked it into his belt. That's what Rogan so. was talking about it on. Yeah, Rogan was talking about that on the broadcast too. He said he broke his arm against like one of the Gracies, and he tucked it into his belt and ended up like winning the decision. So, yeah, maybe he's maybe he is used to it. I don't know, but that's that seems pretty crazy to me. <laughs> to just be yeah. that that hard, you just uh, you just a uh, broken arm is just nothing. And also, Tony Ferguson not tapping for the second fight in a row to an absolutely devastating leg knee lock leg lock whatever that was that was uh he showed a little pain which is more than he usually does but man that's pretty insane yeah some guys just don't tap <laughs> yeah i i think he was close to but uh jacare though just acting like nothing happened he just stood up i did his arm just looked mangled and he was just smiling having a good time so that's pretty badass i thought so uh, other than thinking that i think he's probably done uh, I guess he went out kind of uh, on his under his own power, so wanted to give him a shout out. Um, my call out going to be the uh, Houston judges, which are the same judges uh, Saul Diamato and uh, Chris Lee and whoever, whatever the other characters are that it seems like. Why do they seem to be worse in Florida and t- in Texas when they're there? Why do they seem like they do a worse job? What is I don't the know, maybe just on the road, just on vacation? They just uh, they just you know maybe drinking. I don't know. That was that was some of the worst judging we've seen, and we've we've brought up the judging like we don't want to be. Everyone cries about the judges, and the judges is a, are a problem in MMA and in boxing, obviously, but especially we're talking about well, MMA. So, but they seem to be worse when they're on the road. Like anytime it leaves Las Vegas, the judging just gets like exponentially worse. And like you said, the only way you could mix up the Grundy Venata fight is if you didn't if you had them backwards for who you thought who who was who. So. If that if that if that's the case, then I I don't know what to like. Why is it always the same guys too? It's it's the craziest 
like seemingly solvable problem that just seems to happen over and over. Yeah, and it's just it's been getting worse and worse and it's just gonna we're we're getting close where at least most of the time it seems like they they're getting it right um but we're getting to the point now where two of these guys are going to get it completely wrong on the same fight and they're going to completely screw someone over and hopefully it's not a title fight or something that has title implications because it's just getting worse and worse like i remember a lot of like I feel like a year, a few years ago, it was, there was all this talk about the judges always, but it was on fights that were close, you know, where it mm-hmm. could have gone either way, you know, where, you know, probably one fighter won, but it was close enough to where you could see it the other way. Um, yeah. and maybe in person it look a little different, but now you're getting judges that are putting out scorecards that are just impossible to score. If you were watching the fight or if you know anything about MMA at all. So it's just like, it, I don't know what they're doing. Something has to be done. I get that it's kind of the state commission thing that hires them and whatnot. But, um, I mean, Dana yeah, they, at some point has to put his foot down to where he's got to say that you guys got to figure this out or we're not going to have fights there basically, because it's just, uh, it's getting out of control. Um, basically anybody with two eyes that it's just, uh, an average fan could do a better job than most of these. Bums. Yeah. Um, That's the worst it, part. It's crazy. It, it, it's nuts. And, um, yeah, they've got to do something, whether it's changing the way it's worded, whether it's, like, just uh, having, uh, you know, reviews with these guys. When someone clearly scores, you know, when a judge does score a 30-27 opposing for Mike 30-27s. Grundy. 30-27s. Yeah, like they he's got opposing 30-27s. Yeah, when that happens, like, they've got to, like, you know, go into some type of review and maybe take some classes or something or, you know, have to take some time off. Something's got to be done. Um, yeah. And uh, there's, there's a, you know, any number of things that they could do to fix this, but they continue to not do anything, which is just continuing to let these guys just maybe, I don't know, think they're doing a good job or what, because, uh, but there's got to be some type of repercussions, whether it's public or not, whether it's just, you know, them behind the scenes doing something, something's got to be done because clearly nothing's being done right now. So, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's a good call out there. A lot of the same guys. Yeah, it's a lot of the same guys. And uh, like I said, opposing 30-27. So one judge scored a 30-27. You scored a 30-27 the other way. How can you be watching the same fight? I get it. I could get it if they were like wars and you thought maybe this guy had the edge, that guy had the edge. Um, like, Paul Felder versus RDA comes comes to mind because that was a clear 50-45 for RDA, and somebody gave it to Paul Felder who didn't even – like he didn't even think he won. It's just some of these decisions are just bonkers. Usually, though, you hear the crazy scorecard, and you're like, okay, the next judge is going to get it right. And usually that's the case. Well, like you said, one of these times it's going to be two idiots and one judge that knows what he's doing, and we're going to have uh, we're going to have absolute robbery, so – yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's the same judges, but they seem to be worse when they're out of out of Las Vegas, which yeah. they don't need to be any worse. And maybe it needs to happen. Maybe we just need uh, one of Dana's like darlings to uh, get completely fucked by the judges, so something can uh, so something can change here. Because uh, I mean, and if that doesn't happen, I don't see anything changing just because of the way it's been going. So maybe. Maybe maybe it's for the best if something like that does happen, and uh, maybe we'll get some change actually. Yeah, maybe it seems to be the worst, like the worst ongoing not secret of all time in the sport. But I guess you just got to deal with it for now. So that's all I got for uh, shout outs and call outs. What do you got? Uh, all right. So my isn't he awesome? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go with us, um, the JLT guys. Uh, two things: there UFC 263. We got the tickets. We're gonna be in attendance. Uh, maybe we can get some uh, some special coverage going for that card or something. Maybe we could do. Maybe we'll do something. Oh, yeah. uh, something a little we special for that since uh, since we'll be in attendance. We got the tickets. 116. Come uh, come visit us. Roti. Um, <laughs> we'll be there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we almost didn't get them. It's very close. Um, yeah, you were grinding for us both. I just kept refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Every time I click on the damn seats, they'd be gone. And, uh, eventually somebody timed out and I, I got, I was quick with the trigger finger, got the seats and, uh, and locked them up. So we'll be there live and in person. And then, uh, and then also I wasn't going to do this, but Alex has already put the jinx out there. So, uh, yeah, we've been killing it on the bets and, uh, hopefully we're, uh, we're going to get to our picks. Quite for a next run. Week. Yeah, it's been quite a run. Six and, or five and one, I think this week or four and one, five or one, four and one. Um, I think we did pretty good the week before and, uh, the week before that we did really good as well. So yeah, we've been killing it. We've been on a tear. I was a little nervous about last week's picks. There were so many close fights. I mean, we had a few underdogs even on that one and they, and they came through. So I think I said, we're either going to get them all right or we're going to get them all wrong. And uh, we almost <laughs> got them all right. But uh, They should have they all been right. Yeah, exactly. So this That's week, why I call um, it the judges. This week I'm kind of I, I like I like the picks this week, but uh, you know sometimes when you like them it goes the opposite way. So, um, but yeah, we've been we've been killing it, and uh, yeah, so we're gonna and we're gonna be in the uh, in attendance, see my boy Nate Diaz fight live for the yeah. second time for me. So yeah, it should be fun. We've waited a long time. Yeah, we've been doing this over a year now with no live events. So feels like it's been a long time in the making. Yeah, we got the opportunity, and we're we're taking it. So we'll be there. Yeah. What kind of uh-huh. posers would we be if we didn't? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So weekly call out. Uh, we're coming to you a day late, partially because uh, taxes. I had to do mine yesterday <laughs> and uh, and it sucked, Dick. I'm on the I'm on the Mike Perry train here. Um, I've had this thought even before him. But yeah, it's like how it's 2020. We've got all these innovations and they can't figure out how much taxes to take out of your paycheck. So you just don't have to do taxes at the end of the year. I'm all on the Perry train here. I mean, he's so right. Just, you know, when, uh, when the platinum gets paid, the taxes get paid. That's how it should be. It's, it is ridiculous that they haven't, uh, they haven't figured this out yet. Just uh, take the amount that you need out of my check so I don't have to go at the end of the year on the last day uh, and uh, figure it all out real quick. Uh, yeah. TurboTax. I did my taxes on TurboTax last year. I can guarantee it. I'm like 99% sure. But then when I went to find my 2019 return, cause you needed to complete the 2021, it wasn't on there. They said I didn't do them through TurboTax. So it was a, it was a process it took way longer than expected. Uh, oh, a little money to the federal government, unfortunately, but, uh, getting a little back <laughs> from the state. So always. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this yesterday too. Why did they probably have an app, but why isn't there like some super simple app? Everything you can do everything from your phone now. Like everything should be it should be one app that you just press like five buttons and it's done. They know how much you owe them, or they they could find out because yeah, they can exactly. come get you if you if you don't pay it. Yeah, it it really should be. It should be a lot easier than what it is. I mean, there should be like I get it. There's all these exemptions and stuff, but I don't do any of those. I just take the standard. If you're doing the standard shit, it should just be it should be instant. They should just 
it should spit it out for you. They should send you something in the mail that says what it does instead of me having to a- answer all these questions that are clearly all no's, but I still got to go through <laughs> them all. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, out of, it, it's insane. It's crazy. Yeah, they don't make it easy. Maybe they do that on purpose so you pay people get people to pay more because they don't give it back unless you come ask for it. But anyway, yeah, taxes are they're a nightmare, a true nightmare. We even got an extra month this year, and they were still a pain in the ass. That is true. Yep. So Platinum Perry paving the way for all of us, all of us fellow tax haters. But anyway, so that'll wrap up our segment. So we'll jump into our uh, preview then. And again, we talked about this preview a little bit. It's UFC Fight Night 188, Font versus Garbrandt. First fight on the card. Um, Rob Font, Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt bouncing back after a good win over. Who was that win over? That was a. Uh, that was the Amanda Nunes. I don't know. It was one of the early cards in, during COVID. Looked great. Um, minus one ten, minus one ten. So we got a pick 'em fight here. Obviously, you heard my take of the week. Then thinking about Cody Garbrandt a whole lot. Um, I'm taking Garbrandt. I just think uh, I think Rob Font's been on a run. He's been with his uh, New England cartel guys. They've all been on kind of a run. Um, but I I think the run stops here. Uh, I think I think Cody Garbrandt's getting a little undervalued here. So I really like that pick. What do you think about that one? Yeah, um, I'm on Cody Garbrandt on this one. I don't have some c- crazy breakdown for you on how this fight's going to go or anything. But uh, I think Cody Garbrandt's going to pull it out. I mean, Cody Garbrandt, he, he's elite. You know, he's, he's got quick hands. He's really good on the feet, and he can stop the takedown. Uh, Rob Font, I mean, he just, I feel like Cody Garbrandt's pretty much better than Rob Font um, overall. You know, there might be, Rob Font might be a little bit better on the ground if he can get it there. I just don't think he's going to be able to, at least not for an extended period of time where he's going to be able to uh, win the fight that way. So I think, uh, I just, I, you know, I just think Cody Garbrandt has the edge. He's fought the tougher competition. He's been there, done that. And yeah, he's I think truly he's, elite, he, I think. Yeah, I think he's going to get this win. Barring you being completely wrong on your take, and he <laughs> is as chinny as him. everyone thinks he is. Uh, I mean, that is the way he'll lose. I think if he does lose this fight, I think he's, you know, he'd be getting knocked out if he loses this one. I think, you know, he, what he tends to do is he tends to hurt a guy, get some wobbled, but, um, you know, instead of, uh, taking him to the ground and, and getting in his guard, he, uh, you know, he makes sure they're standing up and he rushes in <laughs> and gets bombed on <laughs> So, um, you know, barring that happening, I think he's, he's going to get the win. I think he, uh, I think he'll probably, uh, put Rob Font away. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I don't know what the knockout prop is, but I, and I don't know how, where Rob Font's durability is, but I, I really do hold Cody Garbrandt in high regard when he's not getting hit. Um, he really does have some of the best boxing and best power in, uh, the 135. So, that's uh that's but my it pick might be too. Tough so we're to put him on. I'm I'm looking here. He's uh uh Rob Font here. He, he I know lost he's tough. Decision to John Lineker, lost by submission to Pedro Munoz, and uh, so yeah, he's fought some uh, heavy hitters and hasn't been knocked out. So uh, he's he, Rob Font definitely looks like probably has a chin on him. Um, but uh, Cody Garbrandt, like I said, I think he's just uh, I think he's on another level and if he can avoid the uh if he can avoid the knockout, I think he'll get the win here. Yep. I like that. I and I think I like the I like the line on it too. 
Uh, next fight, you got Carlo Esparza versus Jan. Uh, uh, how do you say her name? Jojian. No clue. Yeah, I'm not yeah. even going to attempt it. Jan Jojian. Zoshian, I think it is. Uh, minus 125. Carlo Esparza plus 105. Um, I don't really have a pick here. Carlo Esparza, when she wins, I always feel like she shouldn't win, but she somehow does. Um, so I'm just going to say I wouldn't be surprised if she wins this fight. Yeah, I actually uh, I have Carlos Barza as my pick here. Um, but that being said, I am going to put an asterisk here. I may change it. And, uh, Alex, I'll let you know if I do, and you could tweet it out or something. I don't know. But, all right, all right. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Carlos Barza here. My big thing is I just have to watch. I'm going to watch a few. I'm going to go back and watch uh, Jan, Jan's five. I'll just call Jan. Uh, fight against Claudia Gadelia is going to be the main one. I want to see how her takedown defense is in that fight. I mean, that was in 2020. Claudia Gadelia is not the wrestler she used to be. Um, but I just want to no. see how she defends some of her takedowns, uh, and then I'll make my official decision on that one. I should have probably watched before this, but I just didn't have the time. I was running, running pretty late. Taxes. I've been pretty busy. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, taxes and just a bunch of shit going on over here. But uh, other than that, I just want to – check on her takedown defense i but i think carla sparza you know she's so tough it's hard for uh, a lot of girls to to win against she's just such a tough wrestler she gets the takedown she's got a good gas tank and uh and let's be fair a lot of these girls kryptonite is the takedown so um i'm gonna go back watch that uh watch a little tape on this one and make the official decision but i'm i think carla sparza is good value as a, as a small underdog here yeah, like I said, when she wins, I'm usually surprised. She usually surprises me, so I it's I pretty much perennially underestimated her. But now, if um, if she can't get the takedown, she's gonna lose. Um, I do remember Jan's a pretty decent striker. So if yeah. Carla Esparza is forced to stand up, she seems to get pieced up when fight when that kind of happens against a decent striker. But I think she's gonna be able to. Uh, I think she's gonna be able to get the takedowns, uh, lay some ground and pound, and and get the win. And I think it's. Uh, Carla Esparza, she wins by decision most uh, most of the time. So I think uh, if she does win, I think it'll be by decision. All right, there you go. All right, Felicia Spencer, Norma Dumont. Uh, Norma Dumont, plus 125. Felicia Spencer, 145. I think this is a fairly close fight. I just think Felicia Spencer's better. Um, this division is so staggered as far as the gaps in talent, especially when you get towards the top. And... Uh, I just don't think, yeah, that I don't know. I think they're both good for the division, but I think Felicia Spencer's a little bit better. Uh, what do you think about that one? Yeah, agreed. I'm on. I'm on Felicia Spencer on this one as well. I mean, Norman Dumont's not bad. Uh, I just think yeah, she's uh, pretty good. Yeah, she she is. I think Felicia Spencer's gonna get the win though. She, you know, basically for Felicia Spencer, she's got to get the takedowns and uh, she's got to get top control, and that seems to be how she wins. If it stays on the feet, um, I mean, it could be a toss-up then, you know? But uh, yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be a close fight. I think uh, um, Felicia Spencer is the, the slight favorite, rightfully so, and uh, I think this could be a, a, a close fight, but... Uh, I'm going to go with Felicia Spencer. I mean, these these women fights are tough to pick. I almost didn't put this one on here, but uh, I figured I'd, I'd throw it on there, and uh, we'll go we'll go with Spencer. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, David Dvorak versus uh, Rulian Pavia. We got Pavia 
plus 125, Dvorak minus 145. I'm not even going to get into this one. I have no no clue. What uh, what are you thinking on this one? I'm going with really on Pave on this one. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get another underdog here. Um, nice Pava. He Pava. He's tough, man. He's uh, very good. He uh, really really impressed me in his last fight versus uh, Zumagulov, and uh, and the one before that versus Mark De La Rosa. This guy is is scrappy. Uh, his uh, only two losses in the UFC. He, I guess he's only, he's only had about three fights in the or five fights in the UFC, but he has two losses. But they were to Kai Car France. And that Rogeria Bonterin, who we just saw fight on yeah. Saturday, and he's a pretty solid fighter. Um, I just I think that uh, Paiva, he's he's crafty, he's quick, he's uh, he's got a good gas tank, and uh, he's got good stand up. He's good on the ground, and uh, I think uh, you know I think it could be a it'll probably be a close fight, but I think uh, I think Paiva's gonna take this one. All right, there you go. Um, Fight number five here, we got, or not quite number five, um, Jack Hermanson against um, Edmund Shabazian. I uh, got Jack Hermanson minus 155, Edmund Shabazian plus 135. I'm thinking Hermanson does the same, if not more, than Brunson did to Shabazian. Uh, are you in the same line with that, or do you got something else going on with this one? Yeah, no, yeah, I think we talked about this one last yeah, week. Yeah, a little bit. And, uh and it got postponed. I think someone in, I don't know if it was Hermanson or Hermanson's team, um, tested positive for COVID. I don't know if it was a false positive or what, but they rescheduled to this one. I'm still on Jack Hermanson for obvious reasons. I think, uh, yeah, like you said, it's uh, like we said last week, like we just said that uh, Jack Hermanson, he's going to be able to implement basically the same game plan Derek Brunson did. He's going to get the takedowns, and I just don't think there's been enough time I mean, Edmund Shabazian, he is a young kid. He's been training for a long time. So a lot of times you will see huge improvements in, in guys like this in a short amount of time. But I just don't think to be taking this step up from Brunson to Hermanson and in this short amount of time, I just uh, I don't think it's going to look good for him in this fight. I think Jack Hermanson's going to gonna get the win, and I think relatively easily on this one. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement there. Uh, Bill Algeo versus Ricardo Ramos. Bill Algeo. Minus 125, Ricardo Ramos, plus 105. First time I think we're seeing Bill Algeo get himself a favorite spot. We've talked about him a lot. Fun to watch. Not a not a knockout guy, but a high-volume guy. So uh, I do think uh, I think Bill Algeo is going to win this fight the same way he's won and actually lost a couple of his fights. Entertaining, a lot of action, high output. Probably will go to decision, but um, I'm taking Bill Algeo in this one. Yeah, and I'm 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 with you on this one. We're Bill Algeo all the way. Uh, he's an exciting yeah, fighter to watch. watch. He's uh, he puts it on you, you know. He's uh, he's a gas tank guy, and uh, I think Anik says this. John Anik is uh, one of his things. He say it's hard to get bet against cardio. Um, cardio is something that really helps you pull through in a close fight, and uh, and it's one thing Bill Algeo's got on his side. The guy's tough. He's got a gas tank, and uh, and he pushes a pace that uh, that breaks a lot of guys. So, yeah, I, I'm on Bill Algeo on this one. Uh, Ricardo Ramos, he's not a not a bad fighter by any means. It's definitely a close fight, just as the line, you know, the line's really close on this one as well. So, uh, but I think uh, you know, on a close fight, it, cardio will win you the fight a lot of time. Pushing a good pace and having cardio to outlast the guy will win you a lot of close fights. So, you know, we'll go with Bill Algeo on this one. Yep, that's exactly what he did against my boy Spike Carlisle. He just outlasted him with cardio. So, 
Yeah, I like, I like what he's got going on. Uh, Yancey Medeiros versus uh, Demir Had, Hadzovic. This is a close one here. Yancey Medeiros, minus 105. Hadzovic, minus 115. I don't know where I stand on Yancey Medeiros. I don't think he's super consistent. I, uh, he's, one of the, he's, only, he's kind of a guy I wouldn't really want to be betting on, so I don't really know what I got on this one. Who, uh, who are you picking here? Um, yeah, I think you, you kind of summed it up there pretty well. Yeah, I'm on Demir uh, Hadzovic just because uh, Yancey Medeiros, we've seen, you know, he has some good fights and uh, and also he, he kind of just doesn't show up sometimes. And he's got a, a kind of a clear kryptonite. His takedown defense isn't the best. And, uh, and he can kind of get dominated in certain aspects when a fight goes that way. I think, uh, you know, Demir, he's going to be able to get the takedowns uh he's uh he's a wrestler and uh i think he's gonna have his way um with yancey madero so i'm kind of surprised this is as close as it is um yancey it's not like he has like one punch knockout power or anything to win a fight he's kind of like a diaz brother type guy uh, you know he's trained with them and stuff as well so uh where you know he's gotta he's gotta be landing volume in order to get these uh knockouts and whatnot and uh you know i think uh his takedown defense isn't good enough to keep it on the feet to where he's going to land enough volume in this fight. And I think he's going to struggle against Demir um, with, you know, being able to keep up and stop the takedown. So I think uh, Demir is going to, going to take him down and, uh, and get the win, possibly a decision, possibly a finish, but uh, I think it'll probably be a three round decision where uh, Demir just beats him on points just with the, with the takedowns and uh, top control. All right, then. So there's quite a few pretty close lines here again this week, just like there was last week. And uh, that's always yeah, nice match, to have. Matchmakers are doing, uh, yeah, matchmakers are doing a great job lately. Um, you know, I felt like for a while, especially during COVID and stuff, we were just seeing every fight, like, it was hard to find a fight with a close line like this. Like, the majority of the fights were, like, minus 200 uh, yeah. f- type fights and above. Now it seems like almost all the fights are are coin flips which is always uh always good to see yeah it's easier to make a pick too when you're pretty much getting the same value on either guy it really gives you a huge confidence boost if you do see something you like so yeah it makes it a lot better hopefully uh hopefully we'll stay hot too because it's always nice to cash in those bets too when they're a lot closer you're not dealing with minus 250 minus 300 guys so so, yeah, yeah that's it's like, not like where you got to win four just to uh, yeah, exactly. to lose one, you know. So No, exactly. So anything else on this card sticks out for you? we got Ben Rothwell on the card. I don't know. He's been bouncing around, supposed to fight different guys. Apparently he's got a fight on here. Speaking of heavy favorites, he's a minus 310. Um, otherwise, Court McGee on well, the card, I think, a few uh, other guys. Justin Taffa, he's been, uh, he's been knocking out a lot of people, uh, flatlining them cold, so – uh, I think he's a pretty big favorite, or maybe not. But uh, minus one eighty-five. Yeah, decent favorite Jared for Vandera. heavyweight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's been just putting people out cold, from what I remember. So Justin Taffa would be someone to look out for on this one. Other than that, Court McGee, longtime veteran versus Claudio or Claudio Silva. Um, and other than that, not not much. Other than that, um, definitely a, a decent fight night card. We got Font Garbrandt at the top, so that'll be pretty good. And uh, besides that, there's a few, uh, you know, more than a few, at least a handful of pretty good matchups. So it's just uh, a pretty well-rounded fight night card. It'd definitely be worth tuning in for. So, And uh, then we got uh, 
after that, we got a decent a decent card coming up, another uh, fight night, and then it'll be uh, we'll be at UFC 263 with you uh, for Adesanya yeah. versus uh, Vittori too. So. Yeah, that don't worry. Time will fly. It'll 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 come up on us quick. Yeah, yeah, it'll be here before you know it. Oh, for sure. All right, then we can wrap things up. Then um, we'll finish up. So uh, good luck on your picks. Enjoy the violence and uh, come back next week. We'll be um, recapping all that. So uh, that'll do it. Let's go. I respect you.